tired of men monopolizing the word mansplaining? Well, we're here to provide relief from the drone of men explaining to women what it's like to be a proper lady. And instead, we're here to explain what it's like to be a proper man. Welcome to Mansplaining, an explication of hypermasculinity through popular culture. I am Brittany uh, Walker, and today I have with me Chris Ward. Hey, how you doing? Um, so today we are covering the film Roadhouse. Since this is our uh, co-host pick, I'm going to go ahead and throw the ball to him for him to give us a miraculous summary. Yes, first of all, thank you. I I understand I am the first man on this show, so no pressure. No, no pressure. I'm going to try to do my best and uh, talk over you and tell you why everything is. Oh no, I'm kidding. As appropriate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just make sure you um, interrupt me a lot and like if yeah. I, even if I pause, just wait till I am about to speak and then go. <laughs> you know, actually Roadhouse is two words. Okay. <laughs> so let me set the stage first of all. Nineteen eighty nine. I am in fourth grade. Uh, the movies here are the movies out in nineteen eighty nine. Batman, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Little Mermaid. Back to the Future 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Do the Right Thing, Ghostbusters 2, The Burbs, Driving Miss Daisy, Field of Dreams, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was a good year for you. This is a good year for movies, right? And in the midst of these amazing films, Roadhouse. Not a <laughs> Which great... is also an amazing film. It is an amazing film in that I've, I've seen this film maybe in excess of, I want to say, half a million times. Uh, I've seen The Godfather once So this is shameful This is a comfort food film This is a film I've seen with many people None of which have said That was a good movie But have never said I had a bad time It is just straight up red meat Classic Right down the line 80's machismo bullshit It is It is a movie that is tries so hard to be straight It is so wonderfully gay <laughs> Uh, if you've seen Top Gun, Over the Top, Point Break, it's just just oozing with like, uh, you know, just like gayness. It's wonderful. These movies, oh, you get a greased up Sam Elliott in this movie. You get Patrick Swayze. Anyway, I'm sorry, getting all hot and bothered about Patrick Swayze. Um, the plot, the basic plot of this movie is really simple. We're in a world where bouncers are the most important people in the world. Uh, this guy runs a club called the Double Deuce. He seeks out Patrick Swayze pre-internet, somehow finds him. Patrick Swayze is the world's best bouncer, which makes no sense. He's also a philosophy major, which makes no sense. He's a pacifist. He wants nothing to do with this lifestyle has chosen him. He comes to Jasper, Missouri, the made-up town of Jasper, Missouri, to clean up the Double Deuce and make it a reputable nightclub. So, and this is, this is what's really interesting. Uh, the owner of the Double Deuce you know agrees to hire him patrick swayze asked for four hundred dollars a night 
Uh, now let's say the double deuce is open six days. That's $2,400 a week. I want that job. Yes, that's $124,000 a year. So again, this makes no sense. Uh, along the way, he gets embroiled in a small town conflict with uh, the evil, evil Brad Wesley, played by the wonderful Ben Gazzara from Buffalo 66 and several other films. Um, and it goes south. Uh, Kelly Lynch plays the love interest, who is a doctor slash I don't know what. Um, there's some colorful characters along the way and some uh, allusions to prison rape. <laughs> and that is the film Roadhouse. I'm glad that you brought up the point that it's so confusing because um, typically we have scripts and you know there's confusion in that and it's like all written by a man or it's all written by a woman. And I really want to argue that I think one of, the re- one of the reasons why this movie is so confusing is because it's written by both a man and a woman and it, they can't decide what it wants to be. That's right. But can't, I can sense that in the film almost. Yeah. Patrick Swayze's character has a softness about him. He has a respect about him. He's sort of this. Also, this film is directed by Rowdy Harrington, whose name is Rowdy, which should clue you into what you're in for. <laughs> um, it also mirrors Akira Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai. Oh, hey, wow, you're right. <laughs> So it is a white trash mullet version. I've thought a lot about this, as you can see. Um, Patrick Swayze comes into town. He has to beat these guys who have, with an iron fist, these these rednecks who have taken over the town. And uh, yeah. Well, like what I find interesting, and this is true with the Seventh Samurai as well. It like follows this very uh, like Western like esque tropes, you know, where like he has to come up and like you know I'm gonna clean up the place. Um, Going back to talking about um, how Patrick Swayze is a very confusing... What is his name? Dalton. He has one name, I believe. You know that some motherfucker in Jasper, Missouri is not named Dalton. All right? Like, Mm -hmm. no. Absolutely. His name is Randy. Now his name is Randy. (laughs) So Randy... he kind of shows like a very similar like version of masculinity to like Braveheart where at the beginning, you know, he wants to talk about it's all about the wits and it's all about the wits and then proceeds to spend the entire movie just like kicking everyone's ass. That's what, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, but because he has to, <laughs> he doesn't want to. He said no one wins in a fight is what he says. I think he says like, that. But he definitely does one when he takes the dude's oh, throat out. Like, he wins a lot, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he also kind of strikes me as, like, nice guy TM, if you know what I mean. Nice guy TM? Yeah, like trademark. Ah, I see. Yes. yes. Um, just kind of like, I'm, like, going to save everyone around here. And, like, I'm such a nice guy. Oh, like, there's that gross scene with him and the doctor, the girl doctor, mm-hmm. just to be clear. And um, he says something, oh, you might start getting the impression that I'm a nice guy. I'm not a nice guy. And I'm like, you literally <laughs> say that you're a nice guy, like, five times in this movie. Yes. Like, please make up your mind. Uh, That is also the scene, I believe, where he says, pain don't hurt. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. (laughs) Which is my favorite line in any movie. He has some great lines. He also says the non-comeback. I think somebody insults him. Somebody calls him, I believe, a cocksucker. One of a hundred times someone calls someone that in this movie. And uh, his comeback is, opinions vary. (laughs) Which is like, what? It's so disarming. I'm going to start saying that. Whenever someone insults me, like how do you respond vary. with that? 
Um, my favorite quote is probably, does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? Which is like, (laughs) I heard it. I'm like, is that a thing people say? Like, I'm not good with idioms, but like, do people say that? I don't think, this movie struck me as like the colloquialisms and stuff. It's like somebody, it's like an alien visited Missouri once and everything's sort of this weird caricature. Including the accents, you mean? Yes. I want you to do your best Patrick Swayze and Jasper Missouri accent. Oh, boy. Let's see. He says, uh, well, gosh, now I'm trying to think of a line on the spot. Uh, Do your pain don't hurt. He goes, uh, pain don't hurt. (laughs) I mean, I'm from a small town, so, I mean, it was, you really get Sam Merrily, who's a double douche. Yeah. You get a lot of that. You get, um, I don't know. It's... It's not quite Missouri. It's, I, no, well, it's like a collection of like people who think they know what Missouri sounds like and then just trying their best. Yeah. And I think that's why it becomes like even more obvious that it's really bad. But that was the least problematic thing. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Film. Do you want to go to plot holes? Like, what do you want to go to? Oh, plot holes? Well, I was going to say that, you know, as a white man, you know I'm thrilled to see representations of myself on screen. And this movie has them in spades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's like one black guy and he's like the waiter. Like, he's the one that's handing out drinks. That's, I, there's that guy. There's uh, B.B. King has a cameo. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's, hey. he sounds like a frog. <laughs> um, I think that's it. And uh, it is, yeah, and it's, like I said, uh, Brittany, I brought for inspiration, I brought the Roadhouse Original Motion Picture Soundtrack Vinyl LP, uh, which is all white guys doing the blues. And that is like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Oh, there is a wooden Native American at the door. Oh, and then double deuce. So you're right. I don't know if we're counting. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a Jeff Healy who is really blind in real life. That's true. Uh, and has he, a role. Yeah, and he's fantastic. And um, to bring the mood down, he also just recently died, which is was it recent? Yeah. Well, recent ish. It's yeah. been a few years, I, I think. But uh, I love him in this movie. Also, he is. A traveling musician, and they they play behind chicken wire. And my favorite, one of my favorite parts is when the band says, "We're going to take a five minute break," and the guy goes, "You're paid to play, play," and throws a <laughs> bottle at his head, <laughs> which like no one has ever done at a right. bar ever. Like especially like the bands that get booked at bars, you're like, "Please take a five minute break." Yeah, like it's awkward watching you. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Another like. It kind of follows this, um, you know, men in char- men are in charge. They're in control. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like so many weird scenes where like a man is controlling a woman in some type of way, like giving someone the right to touch her breast. And and I, one that seems confusing. Yeah. I go ahead and summarize that scene. Uh, the scene is uh, Patrick Swayze as Dalton, aka Randy. <laughs> um. Is just surveying the situation. He wants to know what he's getting into. And he he witnesses drug deals. He witnesses people skimming from the till. He witnesses a man kind of pimp out a, a woman at a table. He tells a guy, for 20 bucks, you can grab her breast. And the guy is grabbing the breast. And the joke is supposed to be, he doesn't have $20. And then a fight ensues. Yeah. Um, it- it's a really gross scene. Uh, there's a lot of gross scenes. Uh the girl who was like stripper dancing, but like not on her own accord. We, I pro stripper, just to be clear. <laughs> but like, it's definitely like not something that she's like, I'm going to strip in front of these dudes for money because I am like a fierce feminist and like my body and no shame. It's like, 
it's it's troubling. This movie is what I would call charmingly sleazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it is just like there were a lot of movies in the eighties that they were just they were just sleazy and slimy in a way that is really unique to that time, and that's almost almost tame in a way. It's very weird. It's um, it's like gross, and yet it's well, like they're so subtle so about alien, it, like so like, alien. Yeah, like. It's like every, I think it's because it's so, everything is so normalized. Like they don't even bat an eye about the boob thing or the stripper thing or like, oh God, uh, there was this one line that your boy Sam Elliott said. (laughs) And like, first of all, whenever there's a lady in the room, Sam Elliott is literally scratching himself as though like he is like itching for some crack or something. Like (laughs) I, like it, like he is Jones and hard, you know? Yeah. And that makes me uncomfortable. But then he said, God, I'm trying to find it. It was like, maybe she's she'll be smart enough for the both of you. That's right. And like, that's probably actually the most feminist thing in the entire movie. Like, that's the line. It's kind of a put down on Swayze in some ways. Yeah. He also says uh, that that girl's got way too many brains to have an <laughs> ass like that. Yes. Yes, he does say that. That is true. Um Elliot is just like a really gross person in this in this well in life, but like in this movie too. Um, he like kind of comes up with this like re- weird revenge narrative about like Patrick Swayze's ex wife or ex girlfriend. Yeah, so there's a backstory that you don't really. They kind of hint at it. So Patrick Swayze has some dark past. He has killed someone uh, because he let his violence and temper get away from him. So he is now a new man. He's a philosophy major. He's trying to keep all that in check. And Brad Wesley is testing his mettle. And Sam Elliott is trying to say, hey, man, cut it the fuck loose. Let's get the fuck out of here. You don't know these people. And that is after, I think, Brad Wesley destroys a car dealership with a monster truck. Oh, my God. It was a great scene. I forgot about the monster truck as though, like... I come from a very small town. I've, I come from Sykeston, where they no longer say Missouri. They say Missouri. Mm-hmm. So I come from Sykeston, Missouri. And in Sykeston, Missouri, like, there's not one person who's like just driving a monster truck around for the funsies. Right. So Well, that was like a big, one of many dick swinging contests that oh, yeah. you get in this this wonderful film. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of like whose dick is bigger. And like the answer is Patrick Swayze. Now, speaking of nudity, though, would you say this is not an equal opportunity nudity movie but i've seen many of these movies and you you rarely get a full-on shot lingering on a man's ass and in this you get i think two well i would actually say that um having watched a lot of action films now it's so normal like when Jacqueline Van Dyme's ass, like I think I've like memorized the dimples. I've seen them so much, you know. <laughs> um, so actually, like I haven't seen it to be very rare, and I think it goes back to you know this thing that we've been saying over and over and over again on this podcast. These movies are all meant for males to like go in and get their chubs on for like how like super masculine it is on uh, the movies are. But then they'll have like all of these like really greased up oiled men and ass shots and like. After sex, like it's more about like the male gaze on the body of the man than the female. And it, it's what did you think of the <sighs> Kelly Lynch sex scene with uh, Patrick Swayze? I because I believe there are two sex scenes. One is vile, <laughs> and uh, where uh, a a bartender is having sex with a woman in the oh, back. Oh yeah, 
and says to her, you're going to be my Saturday night thing. At, and I find that women don't like that when you say that. Have but, you uh, tried? <laughs> I don't know. I have not tried this. <laughs> but uh, that was a gross scene. But then you've got Otis Redding. You've got Kelly Lynch. You've got a stinky barn. Uh, very consensual. There's some, they all sit and look at the stars and talk about philosophy afterwards. And Yeah. It was actually one of like the mo- more like pleasurable, like, that sounded weird. Maybe <laughs> right. pleasurable is not the connotation uh, that I want there. Um, it can, like I'm thinking about like Top Gun and all of these other sex scenes that like I've watched in these action movies where it always looks like the woman is like on ten faking it. Um, and like this one, like I could kind of believe it, mostly because Patrick Swayze's a stud, and also <laughs> I've watched Dirty Dancing a little bit, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it was definitely like not uh, a negative point of the movie, mostly because. Everyone wants to see Patrick Swayze's ass. That's right. Like, no one's going to be like, no more. It should be Patrick on Mount Swayze Rushmore. Ass. It should be George Washington. <sighs> it should be Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Swayze's ass, and then the other ones. I don't know. <laughs> Are they all presidents? I should know this. I've, I was just there. It was very, I don't remember. It was okay. It was a rock. It's that a rock. Was carved like, it looks small. It was, yeah. it was small. I thought it'd be bigger. <laughs> uh, get it? Like, yeah, like in the That's movie. That's so funny. That's the running joke in Roadhouse is the line, I thought you'd be bigger. Um, since we're talking about, um, well, we weren't talking about gayness, but let's, we were talking about gayness. Um, let's, I want to quote a, a really important line in the movie. <laughs> I, I used, used to fuck my life like you in prison. <laughs> That's right. That was, uh, tell me what you thought of that. That came out of nowhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, both, I almost spit my soda out. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, oh my gosh. Okay, so I've been reading um, this book about masculinity, as you do for fun. Um, and it was talking about, like, the relationship between different, like, male and male, female, male, etc. And um, it was talking about, like, how the relationship between two men have two different things. They're either, like, a rivalry kind of relationship and I can say that word correctly 100% of the time and um the second one was like a protection and like it's weird that you see the protection like relationship between Sam Elliott and Randy um but like then you see like this random rival relationship and the way that he's showing that he's more powerful is by threatening to rape him mm-hmm. and then like, <laughs> in the midst of like I like I think it's like even and then then they proceed to have metaphorical sex mm-hmm. this body to body contact where they're like wrestling each other and their hands all over each other so really there are three sex scenes in the movie there's the two with the lady and then there is the one with Randy and Randy part two and there's the scene where the polar bear falls on Tinker which I don't know if that counts as a sex oh my scene God. but I'm counting it as a sex scene. I completely forgot about that which was like one of the best scenes of the movie. It was great because all this murdering just happened. All this uh, vigilante, small town justice. And then Tinker, uh, who's one of the henchmen, says, uh, A polar bear fell on me. And everyone laughs. And it's that's the end of the scene. Yeah. I Again, I think the conflict here was that, and, and this is a conflict I saw with Over the Top, too, where like you know they wanted Over the Top to be like, a movie about father-son relationships and also semi-truck driving and also they wanted it to be an arm wrestling competition. Like, this one wanted to be, like, a comedy, a Western. Mm -hmm. They wanted Patrick Swayze to be, like, ten different kinds of guys. 
and I don't know, probably like soft porn. Like I'm, yeah, I am sincerely shocked that this was not done by the Canon Group. Yeah, it has that vibe, like yeah, one hundred percent. Who did put this film out? It was a big. It was a big. Uh, this is Joe, Joel Silver uh, produced this. This was a pretty big, really a United Artist. So oh, that would make sense. In 1989, not a not a unimportant studio. No, no. Um, Patrick Swayze coming off what Dirty Dancing, Ghost was Ghost yeah. later or I thought before? Ghost was like early 90s. So he's at the top of his game. He's not slumming, but um. No budget, clearly. Oh, no budget, and they like did shit in the box office, like uh, super, like it, it, it died. I'm interested to know why that is, because it seems like a movie like this. I guess because there were a million other great movies. That yeah, year too. The, I think it was a, a luck time thing. Also, like I'm thinking about like all of these movies, like thinking of setting when you're thinking about storytelling, you know. Great settings like L.A. and like New York, and then you have Jasper, Missouri. <laughs> um, you know, I, you're you're cutting down kind of on your audience there. When some people are like, I don't want to go watch a movie about some like white racist, right? You know, um, I'm sure that had something to do with it. But like, also, Winter's Bone won an award, so who knows? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, and they don't show a lot of the town. They sh- it's a big dirt lot and yeah. the guy's mansion and the I think barn. that it actually is the town. Like that it's just like That's uh, the whole place. Yeah, it's a plot, the mansion's on one side, double D's and then the place across the street. Uh Red's garage, Red's. which is like a Napa, which is like an audio auto yeah. parts store. And they're shaking him down for money and Yeah, that part didn't make sense either. <laughs> There's a lot that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, final <laughs> final thoughts before we uh, wrap up there. Uh, I so I'm biased because I I recognize this movie is terrible, but it is like a weird comfort food, and I don't know why. I think because I I it is just of its time. It's um, it's sort of like I said, it's 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 cheesy, it's it's gross, but it sort of feels kind of harmless. A lot of it's carried by the charisma of Patrick Swayze and some of the characters and the weird dialogue. Uh, the only attempt at intersectionality is when someone literally takes a stop sign from an intersection and puts it through his window. <laughs> that is as close as you're going to get to any high-minded whatever here. So it's almost like, I don't know. Well, like I think this question is being asked a lot with like the popularity of the disaster artists in the room. So like people are like asking this question of like, why are these terrible movies so entertaining? Mm-hmm. Um, and I will probably repeat my theory like a bunch of times. But like, did you watch the Disaster Artist? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I was. I don't want to sound like a super hipster, but I was way in on the room early on. I have actually. I actually got to interview Tommy Wiseau, who. Who posed as a lawyer to try to take a YouTube video down that I had what? put up? <laughs> it was no, totally he didn't. him. Yeah, it was. He. It was very odd. I was not the only person. I, apparently, I also met Tommy Wozo um, uh, at, at a screening for the room, and he was absolutely cracked out, one hundred percent. Like, just wow, wow. He does a lot of drugs. He's out there. Yes, it's amazing. Um, but there, there's that scene in the Disaster Artist at the end where um, Tommy Wozo was like. They're not taking my movie seriously or whatever. Uh, that's my best impression for anything. So you just have to roll with it. And then the little Franco was like, uh, but yeah, but like, look, they're all laughing. They're all like feeling the same thing at the same time. It's just like this experience that everyone has together all at the same time. And regardless if it's like confusion or like, you know, um, 
mostly confusion with Roadhouse. Everyone's feeling it at the same time, and I think like that's what makes it relatable, and that's what makes it fun, and makes you want to watch it over and yeah, over again. It, it moves briskly. It's. Yeah. It, 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 I am a huge, so I'm a huge Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, and so that whole show is predicated on these horrible movies and just this enjoyment. And I think there is, when you watch a bad movie with friends, it's it's social, it's community, we're laughing. I'm not sort of into irony as much anymore. I think I genuinely just love this movie. I think irony had its place in my life, and now it's just why not love the things I love and and not make excuses for them. Yeah, uh, I, I think I felt the same way I with went, professional wrestling, where I'm like, you know, actually, this fucking owns, and I'm not going to be embarrassed about it anymore, and it's not ironic, and like, go Bailey. And I think Swayze, I didn't notice, so when he died, I, I went back and watched the movie, and I was really getting down the rabbit hole with it. And the scene where he kind of lays out his philosophy, you know, the be nice, w- oh yeah, until it's time to not be nice, all these sorts of things. And the... Uh, the bouncer comes up and says, what if someone calls your mom a, a, a whore? <laughs> and he goes, I don't know, is she? <laughs> and everyone goes, ooh. And then they have a stare down. And if you go back and watch, Patrick Swayze doesn't blink once. <laughs> doesn't blink for a good 10 seconds until that guy walks off. And then he blinks. And I'm like, oh my God, he really committed to this. Like, there's something to be said for that. I don't think Vin Diesel's rolling in like you know, trying to be method acting, <laughs> whatever, but I couldn't believe how serious they took the role. Vin I Diesel. think Ben Gazzara knows exactly what kind of movie he's in. They all ham it up. Yes. It's, it's, it's just a wild time in, in Jasper. I don't know what else to say about it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't screw it up too much. Um, absolutely not. I would like to thank Kenny Kenny OO for their song Add 60 Seconds to the Bechtel Test and also do the social media stuff on the Twitter and on the Facebook and share and like and subscribe and I don't think you subscribe on Facebook. Okay, bye.